Around the world, followers of Yeshua are reconnecting with their Jewish roots, learning the scriptures from a Jewish perspective, and rekindling the church's ancient relationship with Israel. One expression of this reconnection has been through music, as Jewish songs, psalms, and prayers slowly make their way back into expressions of faith in Yeshua. Our guest today is Joshua Aaron, renowned Messianic Jewish Israeli-American musician and worship leader, and he's going to tell us his vision of the nations coming together for Israel. Put your hand in mine together We will walk in harmony Let me introduce you to my teacher The rabbi from the Galilee You're listening to Messiah Podcast, where Jesus is Jewish, and that changes everything. Messiah Podcast is a production of First Fruits of Zion. All right, well, welcome Joshua Aaron to Messiah Podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Jacob. Nice to see you on here. Yeah, you too. So actually, for any of you who have written into the podcast wondering where our intro music comes from, that's Joshua Aaron. So you've been part of the podcast for a long time. So it's <laughs> it's great to finally have you on as a guest. Yeah. Thanks, Jacob. For those of our listeners who may have lost their headphones a few years ago and stopped listening to music, they may not know that you're the Messianic musician now, right? Like you're, you are a big name in Messianic Jewish music. Would it be fair to say that? It would be fair to say I do Messianic Jewish music. <laughs> I don't know how big or small. You may be underselling yourself a little bit. 10, 12, 15 years ago, it was all Paul Wilbur, right? And everyone was listening mm-hmm. to Paul Wilbur. It was Days of Elijah and Prepare the Way and I Will Go Up. And you know, I remember doing all those songs. Mm-hmm. And then you came on the scene. When when did you get your big break sort of as a musician? Since I was five years, same age as my son, actually. I was five years old. I accepted the, the Lord. And uh, ever since that day, I started writing songs about him. Wow. I don't know. They were the silly. I don't want to. I wouldn't share those songs with anybody. Well, yeah. But my expression of my love for God and his son was through music. In 2009, I released an album called Bo Yeshua. I was a worship uh, pastor at a church. And I was there for a couple of years. I loved the church. Okay. But I just didn't feel comfortable. Like I was called into a church setting. So I decided I'm 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 gonna go hit the road. God wants me to be, you know, out there. So I did this album with a local choir. Um, did songs in Hebrew and English. The album's called Bo Yeshua. The album didn't mm-hmm. do that well, but it, it showed me that wow, there's you know several thousand people that want to download this. Okay, maybe it's time I go all in on this. So I moved to Israel in 2009 with my wife Jeannie and our three kids at the time. Now we have five. Wow. And, and and spent that year there just establishing our citizenship, etc. And then uh, 2011, two years later, I did an album called You Are Holy. Went, did a studio album, the best I knew how to do. You know, I found a studio, yeah. etc. But I did this. Uh, here's the break. Here's the big break. I think um, is found this website called YouTube. I did How Great Is Our God in Hebrew. Yeah, Gadol Elohai. I don't know how to say it except I knew I had to do it in Hebrew because at that time Chris Tomlin um, did it uh, a world version of his song 
Really? And he did all these languages, you know, Russian, Spanish, Portuguese. Um, and then when the song concluded, the world version, I thought, where's Hebrew? Yeah. And I, not that I was mad at Chris Tomlin or anything like that. This isn't his responsibility. But in my heart, I felt like the gospel has come full circle back to Israel. My family's back. My grandmother fled the Holocaust to come because my great grandparents were killed in the Holocaust. Wow. Now we're fast forward to today. There's 30, 40,000 Jewish believers in Israel. And where's Messiah coming back to? Israel. So in, in that era, mm -hmm. in back 2011, you know, How Great Is Our God was probably the big worship song. And I just I just knew, it was almost like a conviction. I had to sing this in Hebrew and I had to film a music video. And that really is what launched it all. Even though I'm a songwriter, nobody really knew my songs. Hmm. Uh, but on that album was my song, You Are Holy, um, and a few other songs that, you know, that was able to share by them hearing a song they already knew, How Great Is Our God. I've always been an independent artist, so YouTube was a big help in getting music out there. And I've been leaning in on that ever since. So there's a lot of pieces that come together here. I mean, at some point you learned Hebrew. Was that like sort of out of a, uh, you know, because you're Jewish or because of a desire to, to learn more about the Bible or or how did, where did that come about? Well, definitely both of those. My, my mom is actually Israeli. My mom was born and raised in Haifa, Israel. Oh, there you go. Yeah, she moved to America at 11 years old, and she didn't teach us Hebrew. My my grandmother was Orthodox, hmm. so my, my my mom did some prayers. My grandmother more so because she didn't like that we believed in Jesus and Yeshua. So she yeah. always was trying to beat Judaism into us, which I loved actually. Sure, she'd always say, "Don't you forget, you're Jewish. Your mother's Jewish. Don't you forget it, Joshua." <laughs> I was reminded in a in a strong way by my grandmother, but she taught us. You know, some of the prayers, my mom too, but more of my Orthodox grammar than the Jewish prayers uh, on the holidays because mm. uh, we'd celebrate with her, you know, Shabbat and some of the holidays. And and we'd, we'd celebrate the holidays at home, but my dad's not Jewish. And my dad was very radically saved a year before I was born. And he was very like a little indifferent. Like he's not anti-Semitic, but he'd be like, hey, son, this is a Catholic town. Don't tell anybody you're Jewish. <laughs> it was kind of weird growing up because oh, no. it was weird. You know, for me, I was proud to be Jewish and embarrassed, you know? Uh, so uh, should I yeah. be embarrassed, dad? You know? So, but my grandmother would always remind me uh, of who I was. And then as I got older, you know, I had my first child. Um, I realized I want to raise my kids in a first century way. I'm going to lean into Jesus in his original context, into Yeshua, into how he trained his disciples and and um, and then that really started my journey really deeper as a young adult. My that daughter, who's now my oldest of my five children, is now a sergeant in the Israeli Defense Forces in Israel right now. So oh no kidding! It's been uh, it's kind of surreal to talk about it in that you know that chronological order just to think about that right now where we're at as a family back in Israel, lived in Israel, lived in Israel for nine years. Wow. And you live up in Galilee, right? In the Galilee. Yep. Right now I'm in a cottage we bought two years ago in the Poconos in Pennsylvania for our, for the summers when we come to the States. Okay. And uh, we are in the States for this, this year. Uh, we've been planning it for two years. It wasn't 
a surprise. We've been planning it for two years so we can grow our, our brand new nonprofit called Gather the Nations. Okay. Yeah, and we're going to circle around to Gather the Nations for sure. We want to talk about that. Um, lots of stuff happening there. So, But you're in the States for the year. Does that mean that you were here um, on October 7th? I was. I, I just left Israel. I was actually in Israel about four days before October seventh. But yeah, I was here in the United States. Wow. I was on tour. I was actually in. Um, gosh, I think I was in Virginia doing a concert, and uh, I thought it was all a joke. You know, I thought, no, 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 this is uh, somebody's making this up. You know, or some terrible uh, bad news reporting. You know. Yeah. So it was uh, kind of a shock. I remember. I remember singing this upbeat you know set list and then the next day like how can i even sing you know how can i sing you know yeah definitely getting a phone call thank god that my daughter from my daughter i'm fine you know but we're all figuring it out this in real time my daughter a lot of her friends or people girls that she was in boot camp with you know were on a base and Mm. she her, her role in the military is uh border um intelligence or security so they're watching cameras constantly and her one of her platoons not hers almost the whole group was wiped out because they're down by uh, gaza on their base when they entered the base so for her for us it was really close to home thank god she's safe wow. but she could have been on any base you know it could have been that base you know her fellow she just became a sergeant a couple months ago one of her close friends was on that base but because she was in sergeant's training she survived. It's just, I, I'm, I, I, I'm not crying right now, but I'm not a crier. But every couple days, uh, um, it's getting a little bit more space between the crying times, but it just hits me. Just the reality of what could have been for my own daughter. And then just the reality of other soldier parents who, who won't be seeing their, their children come home. It's just, it's been wild um, an unreal reality right now, you know. Yeah, I imagine that it, it periodically just wells up and it's fresh again. And, you know, it's hard because it would be too hard to think about it all the time, you know, just because it's so... That's so horrifying. I can just so your your daughter's not you know a lot of people talk about they got called up but she's she was already there in the in the army right she's already there. Wow. The worst time a child could be in the army in fifty years you know. Um, so it's for me it's like oh yeah they're going to the army it's normal you know yeah there's some skirmishes but this is the worst war we've had in half a century so I've got four sons after her so my son Shuki he's seventeen and he. He's had his entry date for, gosh, half a year, almost a year now. So he goes in August 14th of this of this coming year. So he'll be going in. I told my daughter, I said, make sure you get rid of every Hamas member before your brothers go into the army after you. Yeah. Um, because for for us, it's just the beginning of uh, our children going to the military. Are they all sort of planning on it? Yeah, they are. Because they're Israeli-American, you can get out of it. You can get out of it, but it's a, it requires a lot of paperwork. So we'll, we'll see. But my, my son, Shuki, he he's already has his entry date. He's like, no, absolutely. And for him, it's it's more real because he's older and he's got friends who were, who were really impacted by this war. One of his best friend's brother had a grenade blown up in front of him at the music festival. 
in uh, in the south. Oh no! You know, on October seventh, he he actually ended up surviving. He doing really well actually, but it was right in front of him. But minimal shrapnel. But he watched many of his uh, friends at this party perish. You know, so it's surreal to my son, who's he wants、mm. to get get in and make sure this never happens again as well. I mean, you must be proud, but at the same time, it's like. There's always going to be this, you know. You're you're hoping and praying that they're safe, right? Oh my gosh, I've never prayed this much, or cried this much. Well, so you normally live near、um, Lake Galilee. Yeah. You have five kids.、Mm-hmm. When did you move there? And you said nine years ago. Yeah, eight and a half years ago. Yeah. Okay, so you, you had already embarked on the musical career、mm-hmm. at that point, right? So, did you find that living there did that sort of did it inspire you? Did it change the way you thought about? Sorry, did it give you ideas for songs, or what? What changed music musically in your head when you moved to Israel? It changed it, it, so much, but you know, the, going there was just—I don't know how to say it, except I just heard the still small voice, like I was supposed to be there, you know. So. I thought it might hurt my career, and I need to figure out a way to to live, you know, when I get there.、Um, but I did wait. You know, we lived there for like one year, like I said earlier, in two thousand nine, and I waited that five years to build my music career and go all in. You know,、um, spent every penny I had into the next project and to making sure the quality was better because、mm. God and the gospel is worth every penny I could find. You know, and then to go back to Israel.、Yeah. With some sort of,、uh, you know, steady income because we didn't want to go and raise money or anything like that. We wanted to go. I wanted to go there as a professional musician. So that that helped me those five years、um, leading up to that to,、mm. to have that as the goal. So to this day, it's really great when Israelis ask me what I do. My neighbors, I'm a professional musician. That's how I make my living. And and of course, it always leads to what kind of music? Well, it's religious music. I'm one of those crazy Jews that believe in Yeshua, Jesus. And then they're like, oh, okay. And music always seems to be the greatest—I、uh, don't know—just the greatest segues into sharing one's heart, you know. And it's been—I'm just so grateful I have that as a tool in my tool chest. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it really brings people together, you know. If you had to narrow the genre a little bit, is this like, you know, Middle Eastern style? Because I know there's a lot of different instruments in your work. As I listen to it, there's a whole lot going on there, like instruments I don't necessarily recognize. I love exploring、um, God's beautiful earth and hearing how He's used people and their cultures in music. One of my favorite mu- instruments is the accordion. Really, it, it represents so many cultures up until just 70 years ago. Like even churches were leading worship. Oh yeah. Mod- I mean, Protestant ones are would play the accordion in Europe and in other places around the world. South America still one of the the big instruments、um, that the people use. I just like hearing. Instruments that reflect a culture of times past. So a lot of other instruments I'll use, like Middle Eastern instruments that I don't play. But oh, okay. Like my my, my close buddy Yolon Cherniak will play the oud, or the saz, or the Persian tar, all from the Middle East, or the lira, the lyre. He plays those as well. So I'm always trying to incorporate those instruments that reflect cultures of times past and just times present. Western music today—it's 
it's always it's all rock and roll you know i'm not against it but it's all it's all kind of a what you'd picture on a cold play concert you know super cool celestial keyboard you know like a heavenly kind of electric guitar feel that's what modern worship is been there for 10 15 years or so but i like hearing yeah, what yeah. worshipers do around the world as well and and not have to make force the american you know machine on their style because they have a culture that's beautiful that reflects how God reached them in a certain period of history. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I wonder how long the sort of like Nashville plus Coldplay fusion. Yeah. Like like uh, you know, the Bethel and the Vertical and everybody who's who's putting out the big songs, the good songs now. Like how long because you're right, it has been sort of the style that has dominated. It's been there for a while. Well Don Mullen is a big a good friend of mine and mentor of mine. He was with Integrity for years and he actually was telling me some of that story, how he signed Hillsong back in the day. And it was before it became an industry, you know, yeah. it was artists. And then there was some worship and there was worship songs and choruses, but now the artists are the worship leaders, which is, it's, it's different. It's, it's flipped a little bit. Yeah. I've noticed that, you know, I'll see, I'll see a new song from somebody who was, it, it was Brandon Lake came out there with that graves into gardens. And then, yeah, you know, I saw him, he, he, he'll come up again and again. Like he did that song with Chandler Moore Mm-hmm. Uh, make a way and i love all this stuff like that's oh, yeah, beautiful in my church we, we do we do all those songs but it is I, sometimes i do think like someone make gets makes a hit and then they get like i think i think they must get some help like you talked about getting signed you know i almost did it I, into, uh, um, I was a writer with integrity music i almost signed the artist deal but i didn't i always tell my friends i think i'm too jewish for it i thought you know i'll find a way to get <laughs> get the music out there without having to sign with a record label. And quite honestly, because I'm in like more of a world genre, I do have some songs that sound like Christian contemporary, which I, I love all, I love that style too. I really do. Um, but it's, I've got, you know, I wrote every tribe song with an Indian chief, a native American chief, you know, I like exploring different signs. Yeah. Chief, chief Riverwind, dude, that was a cool music video. Cool song. Did I read correctly that that hit number one in the world music category? Yeah. Every tribe, every tongue, Emmanuel, your king shall come and do sorrows and do pain. Come and praise Creator's name. Like Chief Riverwind, I wrote the song Every Tribe with him. I I started writing it because this really would be relevant to today, really, because I was watching the news. I could drive to the Syria border from my house, which you can't cross in 40 minutes. Like Syria is very close to. Uh, where I live in the Galilee and where my house still is. I remember watching them back in 2014, something like that. And they were mm. murdering like tens of thousands of Christians. Remember, I don't know if you remember on the news, they had like the orange jumpsuits, they're putting it on camera. Um, it was awful. And I remember being so furious that nobody in the world is fighting for these Syrians. I, I think they've killed half a million under Assad, wow. just across the border from 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 Israel, uh, and I remember just just with a tambourine. Whoa, oh, oh. And I just kind of just chanting this sound like without words, just me saying, "God, can you send your can you, Messiah? Can you come back and just destroy these terrorists?" I was just so angry that nobody was saying anything. It was just always small voices. They'll put it on the news, and then it was. In a couple of weeks, it was it was past the past news. Uh, Chief Riverwind, he had a cool book called "What the Old Ones Say." Hmm. It was basically about there was 
a Messiah figure prophesied, the, the great chief would come, the wind would follow. I ended up thinking of him when I was started writing Every Tribe. I didn't realize he was, you know, an American uh, veteran. And, you know, he pointed out the scripture verse that God will hear the, the souls of the saints crying out from the ground, avenge us. Like, and I, I couldn't stop thinking about at that point about how they were killing all these Syrian Christians and nobody was saying anything. That's when I got really lit up and we just started talking about Messiah coming back as a warrior, not on a donkey, but on a white horse. That's how he became a part of my life. And now uh, we started talking more about that angle of who Messiah is when he comes back as a warrior. So that's, that's how that song came out. And fast forward to today, none of those people said anything about Syria. I mean, everybody who's, who's pro-Hamas right now said nothing about half a million Syrians being utterly obliterated and now today after Hamas mm -hmm. did the worst atrocity in in modern history as far as the gruesomeness of, of what they did to civilians mm -hmm. all these millions of people around the world are for Hamas it just blows my mind but it, it makes me so angry just so angry on mm -hmm. how the scale is so it has to be the devil I don't know how else to explain how these people can say nothing for decades about what's happening in the Middle East. Women, I mean, Afghanistan, we left these women behind for 20 years. Women can wear t-shirts and shorts mm. and go to college. In one day, we, we take out our troops and one day you get your hand cut off if you show, you know, you show the wrong part of your arm or something, you know, you cannot go to college. Mm -hmm. Now you're, you were worth a whole vote. Now you're worth half a vote. It's unbelievable mm. how everybody is silent as a whole you know, majority in the Middle East. But now all of a sudden, yeah. because it's Israel, everybody is vocal. It's, I just, I can't understand it. I just came back from Europe last week. I mm -hmm. uh, have my Israel hat on right now. And I'm like, I'm just wanted to see what would happen, you know? And I, you know, yeah. A lot, some people will come up. I like your hat, but majority I'm just like, oh, I, I better just, I better just watch my back as I walk by, you know? Cause you just don't know. I never thought yeah. I'd live in the era my grandmother lived in not the Holocaust, but pre-Holocaust um, when she lived in Europe, where both her parents ended up being killed in the Holocaust. I don't, I don't follow the news super closely, but I'm vaguely aware of some stuff going on in Armenia and Sudan and Kashmir, and there's always some something really terrible going on. You know, my pastor adopted uh, two children from, uh, well, two children he was actually able to bring over from Ethiopia. Wow! And he goes over there. He might be there right now, actually. Like he, he'll come back and be like, man, it's it's rough over there. There's like a civil war that's been going on forever. That no one no one knows about. And no one ever hears about. But yeah, anything happens in Israel, and all of a sudden, every camera in the world is pointed at it. Yeah, it is interesting, right? I mean, what's with the fascination with this one? It's got to be this one event that's going on from below because in the UN, you know, all the resolutions against Israel is more than any other country, and the Middle East is full of countries that are constantly, deliberately murdering citizens. Israel never deliberately murders citizens. They're aiming at terrorists and it's oh, it's, it's horrible, but there are citizens that, that are losing their lives for sure. And all of us as Israelis recognize that, but none, none of it has ever been aimed at civilians. And that's the difference, you know. Hey, I just want to cut away from our conversation for just a second to mention Hayasod, the foundation. 
One thing I learned in seminary was that I was never going to understand the Bible until I read it in context. What I didn't learn in seminary was that the context of the Bible is Judaism. It's 100% Jewish, all 66 books. If you want to start reading your Bible in its Jewish context, but don't know where to start, let me recommend Hayasod, The Foundation. It's a 10-week course designed to give you an accessible introduction to the essential Jewishness of the scriptures. As you go through Hayasod, the Bible will come alive to you like never before, and you'll be able to see clearly God's heart for Israel and for the nations. You can take the whole course online. Just open your web browser and type in ffoz.org slash Hayasod. That's ffoz.org forward slash H-A-Y-E-S-O-D. All right, where were we? One of the things that um, I think our listeners may find fascinating about you is that you lead a Torah club in Israel. Mm-hmm. You know, we have plenty of Torah club students and leaders listening to the podcast now. And there is this idea, right, that in Isaiah 2, the Torah is going to go forth from Zion. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is this is why, one of the reasons why we're doing what we do. You know, Boaz Michael lives in Jerusalem. And yeah, he's I out love there. Boaz. Yes. I visit him many times at his house in Jerusalem. I was going to. I was, and I was oh, really? going to go in late October, and that that all got canceled. Yeah, for there's a there's like you said, there's thirty forty thousand believers over there in Israel, followers of Yeshua. Um, but there's there's like, I think a strong desire on the part of a lot of people to see, like before the Torah can go forth from Zion, the Torah has got to be in some way like planted in Zion, right? You want we want to see. Wow. Like that's just my personal feeling. Yeah. Like so, it's very exciting. It's very exciting to me to see that happening. To see Torah Club in Israel. Tell me about that. Like, how did you get started with Torah Club, and can you can you tell us how it's impacted some of your students? Well, we, we, it's basically all, all about several families that live in the Galilee. Um, we just decided, hey, we need to do a Bible study, and there's a lot of Christian Bible studies, but there's not a lot of. Torah Bible studies or even healthy Torah Bible studies. And yeah. uh, I've been a huge fan of First Fruits of Zion for a long time. I recommend it to our our friends. And um, in my book, Superhero Families, uh, one of them is Chaim Milspin. Um, he's in the war right now. He's mm-hmm. been on Fox News all the time right now because he's down there near Gaza. He's the one that's wow. uh, he's 40 years old. They called him back up because his platoon is pretty, uh, pretty elite. So he's down there detecting bombs and tunnels and so he, he, mm. him and I were like, let's bring our families together and a couple more families. And um, yeah, we've just been having a blast. Actually, we started it during COVID, actually, I think it was. Okay. Or just before. Yeah. And then we, we did it Zoom and then we ended up meeting together. And then when we couldn't meet together, we did it on, you know, Zoom during, during COVID. And it made it a lot easier because a mm-hmm. lot of us have kids. So yeah, we were tearing it up. We love, we love it. We we had um, Aaron Schust on the podcast. I don't know if you remember that. If you if you listen to the podcast, we had Aaron Schust, uh, 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 Dove's songwriter of the year, two thousand seven, author of uh, "My Savior Lives." Best friend of Joshua Aaron. <laughs> He's my best buddy. Yeah, I just was on the phone with him just before this interview. Actually, <laughs> I love him. Really? Mm-hmm. So so t- so, how did you get connected with Aaron Schust? And what's go- what? How did? 
were you part of his his journey into like a more i don't want i don't messianic might just be the word like a more yeah i got an email one day from aaron and uh it said hey uh, my name's aaron schust um want to let you know i've been listening to your music on our version of shabbat at our home and i'm like wow this is crazy and i'm like he, he's one of those artists that if you don't know him you you do you don't realize you do a lot of people do know him of course mm-hmm. but like if I just mentioned my savior, my God, or something like, oh, that guy, you know. So mm-hmm. I showed Jeannie, I'm like, Aaron, she's just messaged me, and uh, and and we looked up his songs, like, oh, that song, that song, oh my gosh. I was mm-hmm. already with Integrity for a couple of years as a songwriter, and it was like a two year contract, and um, they had the option of keeping me a third mm-hmm. year. I called them up and said, hey, I'm coming to the States. I'll be in Nashville. And I just messaged Aaron Schuss. Do you mind if I set up a songwrite over at the studio? And they're like, yeah, sure. So we met that for the first time at, at uh, one of the offices over at Integrity. And we wrote that day we met, we wrote the song, None Like You. There is none like you. We wrote that song that day. There is none like you. And I fell in love with wow. him and his songwriting style because, man, he just wanted to open the Bible. He didn't want to write songs about feelings or God chasing after him. Or it was really, <laughs> it was, it was really awesome. It was really special. He, he comes from our world. Let's just say the messianic world. We like our our hymns are from the Book of Psalms, you know, and 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 beyond, of course. But it's mm-hmm. really that's a little deeper scripturally. Not that I'm a Bible scholar, but if it doesn't match scripture. And if it's only feelings, I'm I'm not writing it, you know. And Aaron is the same way, and, and I, I just yeah. fell in love with his, with what he does, and we've been best friends ever since. That was six, five, six years ago. That's amazing. Does he come over there? You come over here? Oh yeah, yeah. He comes over there. I was just stayed at his house a couple of weeks ago in Nashville. Wow. I just brought him with me on tour. To, we went to uh, the Netherlands. We did five concerts in the Netherlands because he's such a great musician. Like he went to school for music. I'm a songwriter, yes. Um, I have songs out there, but I'm not a great musician. I'm really not. So if there's anything that involves hmm. a band, I'm like calling Aaron. What do you think? Yeah, he's so so. He does more of the like the arrangement. Definitely arrangements. Just really wise counsel as well. Uh, but in in those albums, I did have a music director, and that was Jamie Hilsden from Mikedem. Uh, he was the music director. Okay. Uh, Jamie is incredible. He's the best, I think, in Israel. Um, so it's, I'm always just trying to pull the, the best around me because I know I'm not the best. And that's what makes great stuff. You know, if I, you look up some of the best uh, artists, you know, like Toby Mac, you know, he just finds the best producers, the best guys. Yeah. Man, I got to spend some time with him uh, a month ago with my son. Really? In, in, a, in a studio and hear his heart. He, listen, here, here's an inside scoop. So we sat for an hour with him. I, I, I did a song with his, his backup artist, Tarian. Um, her first solo album is just coming out, and I I did a song with her in Hebrew. Um, I just sang a couple phrases in Hebrew. So I go to I go to meet up with Terian at this little studio in in Nashville, and then there's Toby Mac. We we talked for like an hour. I had my son Shuki, my 17 year old. So Toby Mac's wife's wow. Jewish. 
He's like, you know, my wife's Jewish. No kidding. Get out of here. He's like, yeah, both her parents are Jewish. He's like, my kids are Jewish. I've never heard him say this before, but he, you know, I I knew knew this, but he said, yeah, I get a little extra blessing through my, through my, my wife and my kids. He said, so that was a cool uh, kind of discovery uh, uh, of Toby Mac's family history there. Yeah. He's both her, his wife's parents ended up in Jamaica of Jewish, uh, of Jewish descent, which is pretty cool. So you're just like rubbing shoulders with everybody over there, man. It's not uh, by my, it just kind of happened. You know, I don't, I don't think Toby Mac even knew who I was. I just happened to be in the studio with his, his artist, Terry. And, and, uh, yeah. and there, and there he was. Yeah. We got really, I got to hear his heart though, but he's one of the guys, he was talking about music business. Cause I'm a solo artist. So we were talking about music business, you know, and how, how it works, you know, mm. publishing versus owning the masters, et cetera. It, Toby kind of stopped in the, in his tracks during the conversation, looked at my 17 year old and he's like, Hey, I want to apologize. It might sound like we're talking about business, but this is the kingdom. And then he just, he named a testimony of a, of a, mm-hmm. a young teenager who accepted the Lord and through his music, he said, this is what it's all about. So it might look like we're talking about business. No, we're just trying to be good stewards, but it's all about the Lord. So it was really cool to see that side of him as well. Yeah. Um, to be a, really a veteran, you know, he's probably 10 years older than me, uh, still going strong and then not forgetting, not forgetting what it's all about. Yeah. No, that's heartening. You always wonder, right? I think I met, who did I meet? I met Dennis Jernigan one time. You remember, remember Dennis Jernigan? Yeah. Um, he's a, he's a great, you are my strength when I yeah, am Yeah. Worship songwriter. Yeah. You are the treasure that I seek. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he, he was doing stuff for the troops. My mom was in the service. So he came to the, the air force base that we were on. Wow. And I asked him that I was like, I was like, uh, you, you know, better than I, cause I was a cynical teenager at the time. And I was like these big, you know, Christian music artists. Cause you know, this was back when it hadn't been that long since I think Amy Grant went, tried to do like regular music and not mm-hmm. Christian music. So I mm-hmm. asked him, I was like, these big Christian artists, like, are they legit or, or what's, or are they just like, you know, posers making a bunch of money? He, 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 he like a Nate rattled, rattled off some people and he said, you know, most of them are legit. Most of these people have oh, a heart for the yeah. Lord. And he gave me some specifics of some people he thought were really the, really like just good people. I won't repeat the ones that he said, cause it'll sure. feel like I'm leaving out someone else, you know, but, oh, sure. but he was, he was very positive and very complimentary, but he, he helped to ease my teenage cynicism. So this, that's another good story I can put in, I can put in my, uh, yeah. uh in, in the back of my head there that to- Toby Max, uh, an OG. He's a real guy. He really is. Um, it's yeah. good to know. <laughs> so you've been, you're on tour, you said, and you, you were just in the Netherlands. And uh, what I wondered was, it is because, you know, people, the tendency seems to be that they just want to talk to you, you know, and and, uh, and I wondered, you know, since October 7th, especially, where where are people at and all the places that you're going? I mean, have, have you, has your audience, uh, expressed opinions or sentiments or support or concern or what's what's uh what's the well, heartbeat of the people out there well i i get i get the biased heartbeat because people are going to come to a joshua aaron concert or pro israel pretty much majority you know unless they were dragged in by a spouse or a friend you know so yeah most people i talk to at my concerts are pro israel you know um you know i was i was just in you know the netherlands and i ended up in germany last week and i walked up to this, these protesters, these German protesters of the war in Israel, the, the Socialist Party of Germany or something like that. They were, they were like pro-Palestine, anti-Israel. And I said, what's your sign saying? They're like, we're, we're against the war, we're against Israel. Um, and they said, where are you from? I'm like, Israel. 
<laughs> it was like this <laughs> long, long uh, silence, awkward silence. And he's like, well, you know, we're, we're against Hamas. They tried to kind of spin it a little bit. But, but usually, you know, in my circle, it's, it's really um, – that's the people we draw. And all the more reason that I, I, I realize I need to be on the road. I need to have some sort of face, even though I wasn't born and raised in Israel. My mother was. But I do have a daughter in this military mm-hmm. there, and uh, I, I am Israeli American. Just the best I can do to get out there and to be a representative, or at least some connection, during this this crisis where people are surrounded by people who don't realize they're anti-Semitic. You know, they don't realize it's, it doesn't yeah. make any sense that you're against this, but not at all of everything else. Um, so it really, I think, it helps when when all of us that can get out, get out and shake hands and hug these people too. To show them that we're not we're, we're we're not hateful. Our Messiah taught us to turn the cheek. He taught his example was to give his life, never to take a life, and that's that's what we stand for. We don't we don't believe in Sharia where yeah. you you take the life of any single person for your faith. It's never the case in what we believe. Yeah, and that's you know I I, I think about that sometimes you know because I I had to study Islam for my undergrad a little bit, not very much. The expansion of the uh, the realm of influence of of Islam was violent. I mean, it came about through war and conquest. And it's just what a contrast to what our yeah. master taught us, which is uh, almost the opposite. Like, you li- live live in this way, reflect the love and compassion of God and into the lives of the people around you. And this will, this will spread um, the faith. And it did, you know. I don't get it. Well, there was one guy named Muhammad that came and changed this this that monotheistic religion to be uh, way different than what uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob taught. You know. All right. So we mentioned Africa briefly. What I noticed was, as I was doing some cursory research for this interview, is I went to the the your website, the Gather the Nations website. Yeah. And I noticed that you are. Uh, and, and some others presumably are going to do a big concert next year in in Kenya. So, can you bring our listeners up to speed a little bit on what is Gather the Nations first of all, and like how did that start and what's it for, and then why Kenya? All right. Well, Gather the Nations really just burst out of what I've felt called to do since I was a child, but it burst out of my Shabbat year. I take a Shabbat year every seven years. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. So uh, 2021 was my second Shabbat year. And during that year, I was just praying, oh God, what do you have for me next? And I I, I want to lean in this Joshua Aaron thing, but I it, I know it's bigger than me. I don't want it to be all about me. Mm-hmm. And I really just felt this, this pull towards gathering the nations i couldn't think of a name so it just landed on gather the nations uh gather the nations.org mm. so i started planning this put a team together went just about bankrupt but i don't care that's kind of the story of my life i always go all in on everything that i feel like <laughs> god's in on because i don't only have anything that i have because of god so if he's in it if he wants me to do yeah. it i'm gonna go all in so we hired an event coordinator we set up our first gather conference gather america uh, gatheramerica.org in Dallas. We had 1,200 people from 49 states, 30, 29 countries. And uh, it was it was incredible. We had wow. a Christian. So I believe worship leads the way. I believe God's doing something in the nations. I know First Fruits of Zion is all about this, mm-hmm. but we're on the worship side of things, the music side of things. Um, I believe God's doing something mightily unprecedented. I'm 45. When I was a kid, 
people. There weren't that many pro-Israel people. There, yeah, we had a couple umpa songs. You know, the zeal of God has consumed me. We had those kind of Hebraic kind of feeling songs, yeah. maybe in the eighties. Blow the trumpet in Zion, Zion. Yeah, yes. But today, more than ever, there's Christians. They don't even know why. They're just drawn towards the the context of who God is, um, and they don't know. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are finding out about First Fruits of Zion, but they're, I believe worship leads the way in cultivating that. So the nations, I believe, need a voice. And I believe in the last days, it's not America and the nations, it's Israel and the nations. And America is one of those nations, and I'm proud to be American-Israeli. But I believe there's going to be a shift in the latter days, which we are pretty much in right now. Seems that way. Oh, that the nations will call on the name of- It's Israel and the nations, and that's I know that's yeah. what First Fruits is, of Zion is all about, and uh, I, that's what I want to be about as gather the nations to give the nations a voice. I believe because we come from a music uh, aspect, in music it's musical, so it's not what what Bethel song can you sing in Swahili? It's like what has your culture been mm-hmm. singing? What styles for the past hundreds of years, and how can you sing from your in your language and your sound to the God? of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So it's really just gathering those people in these latter days, and I believe it's uh, it's on the, on the forefront of the battle lines of what God's doing to gather his nations. And not we're not gonna, we're, we don't claim to be the army, um, but just to be the Pied Pipers, some of the Pied Pipers in the army uh, to gather the nation. So, you know, our, our conference, we had a Christian mariachi band. We had worship in Portuguese. We had a, a, an Arab brother singing in Arabic from uh, Haifa, Israeli Haifa uh, brother singing in Arabic, of course, in Hebrew, Spanish. Um, hmm. um, it was it was powerful. And then we had our last day was in all nations. This was on the Feast of Trumpets, by the way. By the way, we, we try to do it every year in the Feast of Trumpets. Oh, so. nice. The Lord is my light, my salvation. Whom shall I be afraid? So yeah, that's what we're doing. And then and then to Kenya. Um, I was just in Kenya earlier this year. Um, we started our, our first outreach to an orphanage in Mlolongo. It's a it's a half a million person slum. Wow. Just fell in love with these kids and the leaders. You know, you can go to some places where they're really they're just trying to raise money and they're trying to get by. But this 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 particular orphanage is run by a couple that I really believe in. They live with the kids. They can live in a nice house on the other side of town, but they chose to live with their kids in this orphanage. And um, mm. we donated instruments on behalf of Gather the Nations. And they, the, a month later, they sent me the certificate. We started our very first music school, the Aaron Joshua Music, <laughs> music School. <laughs> um, oh, nice. And uh, I told them, you know, you don't have to have my name on it. That's not the goal. Uh, well, hopefully we can get that changed. <laughs> but we're going to go back with the small team, work with this orphanage. We're going to bring quite a few more instruments and um, get them involved and really 
we're a worship uh, worshiper organization, not a worship leader organization, because we believe it starts at the worshiper. Mm. If your goal is to be a worship leader, if your goal is to be an artist, um, that's the improper foundation. Um, the foundation is I want to worship God, whether it's just me, uh, whether it's just me and five people in my little congregation, uh, or whether it's me and a million people. I just want to I just want to worship God. So we've got a worshiper um, foundation and, uh, you know, a goal. So we want to start with, with, with kids. So we already donated instruments. We're going to come back with more instruments, um, minister to the kids while we're there at the orphanage and then finish our trip, um, with a big outreach festival where we're going to invite the kids to come up and join us and at least a couple of songs where we've already taught them and, and give them a voice to sing, uh, in their community, uh, on a, on a larger platform, you know? So that's just, this is just, uh, Part one of uh, God willing, I'm 45 years old, God willing of the next 40 years, 30, 40 years of me growing this organization, Gather the Nations. And I just want to tell you, Jacob, you're a part of an incredible organization. I love First Fruits. You didn't tell me to do this, uh, <laughs> but I love First Fruits of Zion and I love what you guys are doing. And uh, I love that there's a healthy, large scale organization that can handle the church especially in these last days where as I travel a lot and I, I see some people that they've developed this hatred, they fall in love with their Hebrew roots of their faith mm. before you know it, their whole, I feel like, and they might not think this, but I feel like what can happen. And I've seen happen is their whole, their whole philosophy is just anti-church. It's like Christians got it wrong. It's just it seems like the wrong yeah. preface, you know, and it, it's stir it's, it's, it's just beautiful what First of Zion is doing in a healthy way, coming straight from the scripture, just raising up a great team of people around the world uh, in the uh, Torah clubs, which I have been honored to be a part of. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited to see what's happening next with my friends at First Fruits of Zion. Well, thanks for saying so. You know, I think you're right. I think um, when when you first start seeing the Jewish Jesus in the scriptures, you know, of course, one of the first questions you're going to have is, "How come no one told me about this?" And it, and uh, mm -hmm. if you take that if you take that output and feed it back into your input, you can end up with this cycle uh, uh, where you where you begin to feel jaded or cynical or even betrayed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I can't speak for everyone on staff, but I certainly went through a phase like that where I thought, "Man, you know, why why has the truth been been hidden from me? What what what?" sort of weird uh, conspiracy as this and you know i had to mature out of that right it's just like oh you know yeah this is first of all i think probably part of god's plan you know sometimes i think about this verse i don't know bounce this off you where, where yeshua said unless um a seed falls to the ground and dies it can't bear fruit right mm -hmm. and i think there was a set there was a sense I, oh, obviously yeshua died and came back from the dead and, and he's bearing fruit through his spirit through the church However, I think there's also a sense in which, like the original gospel message, which was to the Jewish people saying, repent, and the kingdom is is at hand, that if that hadn't sort of gone underground, and in a sense, if, if that hadn't died, like, I'm not sure if the nations would have accepted, because it's like, it's a nationalist message. It's a message to and about Israel. And yeah. if it hadn't gotten like watered, watered down to the point where it was just like, just believe in Jesus, right? Um, I'm not sure that the, that, that the message would have gone as far. So to me, like, and this is just, again, this is not like first fruit design teaching. My personal theory mm -hmm. is that it had to be reduced to this sort of lowest common denominator thing 
that everyone could understand, even if they didn't really understand the Bible or Israel or any of that. And now maybe we're in a process where it's like, okay, you took that first step. Now let's let's go to school. Like let's let's yeah. figure out who is Jesus and who is Israel and who is the God of Israel and what is this plan for Israel? What's this plan for the nations? Oh yeah, and I just think it's a sign of the times as well. I think I think that's my thinking is that this hasn't happened on this scale ever in 2,000 years. Why does everybody keep asking about Israel? Why are people even talking about the feasts in this scale, which again hasn't happened in at least 1,600 years, or at least 2,000 years on this sheer numbers of people around the world, except that God said it's time. Yeah. It's time. Before we sign off here, can, give us give us a snapshot of um, you know you, you do and gather the nations. You've you've got uh, this this one area in Kenya that that you're working with. You said you've you've got 35, 40 years left to do this. What is the grand vision? What do you hope for God to accomplish through you and through gather the nations over like a longer time scale? Really, I, I just I want to be a part of a collective. You know, I, I don't plan to be an exclusive thing. You know, but I would love to see. I would love to see a unity on a scale we've never seen before. And I don't, I don't, it doesn't have to be through us, you know, gather the nations or me. I just want to play any part I can play, you know, and uh, I love collaboration. I love promoting things I believe in like first fruits of Zion. Um, so I just hope, yeah, I hope that in the last days, you know, there's what there's 40,000 Christian denominations, something like that. Now I hope that I can be some part, in pulling back uh, the, the the divide in some way in these latter days so that because messiah is coming back for one bride you know second uh, chronicles chapter five there they came together you know without regard to divisions you know the, the priests the blowing trumpets in unison you know there's this harmony that god wants to see in the last days behold our good and pleasant is for brothers to dwell together you know so whatever I can do. So I, I don't have a number or a scale. I just hope it grows and I hope it's healthy. And I hope that I hope I, it's not going to wait, rest on my shoulders, even two to five years in, I hope it's not resting on my shoulders. I hope there's a team mm. um, that believes in the same cause that worshiping God isn't an industry. It's a hard thing. And, and if it's not a hard thing, um, it's time to do something else, you know, uh, be a janitor in a, in a congregation or something, you know, it has to be, uh, uh, you know, worshipers, you need to worship in spirit and in truth. And not that 
because you're embracing a platform, it's wrong. I'm just saying that that it, that shouldn't be the only platform. And um, I'm hoping that we can help shine a light on what God's doing around the world so that it'd be harder to ignore when there's struggles with our brothers in Syria, with our brothers and sisters in mm. in um, in Iran, who I've met many times, well, several times in Athens, Greece, at um, you know refugee centers where they fled Christians, poured gas over them, and, mm. and the, uh, Muslims holding a match, saying, "Convert back to Islam, or I'm I'm dropping this match." You know, I want to see that kind of connection around the world. And I, I really do believe worship is one of the best ways because it's so, it's the most neutral language. It's the most beautiful language that God ever created. Um, but I want to hear all the dialects together, you know, in these last days. Yeah, that's inspiring. I mean, it's so easy to get tunnel vision. I don't know if it's like that everywhere, but here, you know, I live in sort of uh, the, uh, the Midwest of America. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to forget how that uh, it's not like this anywhere else in the world. You know, stuff's happening everywhere, and it's and and people are worshiping God in different ways, different languages, and have different you know outlooks and and completely different. It's just all completely different. You know, and this is from someone I spent I, I've lived every eight years outside of the country, and I still find myself getting like caught in this sort of like like I said, tunnel vision. So yeah, this is it's that's awesome. I hope I can make it to one of these things. I hope you can too. Either in Orlando or the one we do in the, the 25 will be in the Netherlands. Oh, the Netherlands. That would be cool. Well, we'll have to find some some uh, clog dancing with the wooden shoes or something. I don't know. So I don't know what, what's unique in the Netherlands. They've got a lot of unique things. Well, what's going on? in the, you, you, This is the second time you've mentioned the Netherlands. Is there like a pocket of, of, of uh, support there that you have? Oh, gosh. Or? Yes, yes. Um, yeah. I mean, when, when I do concerts and travel to the U.S., it's usually like four or 500 people. In the Netherlands, it's usually 1,000, 1,500 people. Like they really – I go to Germany, there's like 200, 300, 200 people. But there's something about the Netherlands. There's a stirring there that's uh, I think the most in Europe. But, yeah, the Netherlands, there's something – God's doing something pretty amazing in the hearts of uh, people there. Yeah. You know, it reminds me of, and this is not, uh, this is a little bit less um, sacramental than what you just said. It reminds me of the end of uh, Spinal Tap where the band's about to break up forever. And then the, the guy comes in and says, actually, this record did really well in Japan. And they're like, <laughs> well, okay, <laughs> I guess we'll go play music yeah. in Japan. The ne- the Netherlands. It's so funny. Somebody just, re- re- I never saw that movie. Somebody re- referenced that movie to me a couple weeks ago as well. For something else, but I was thinking about David Hasselhoff. I don't know if anybody knows this, but you know from Knight Rider, he he's a yeah, legendary yeah. singer in Germany, but he doesn't. Nobody knows he sings in huh. America. For instance, Don Moen. You know, he's a mentor of mine. I love him so much. Hmm. He just sings simple choruses. He doesn't. He still sings the classic way, the Vineyard way. I'd say you know, um, he'll sing modern songs as well. But his like if you go to Chris Tomlin's Facebook page, he's got three or four million followers on Facebook. Chris Tomlin, you go to Don Moen's, he's got like 10 million followers on Facebook because Don Moen is an international singer. And, and when he goes to the Philippines, you know, they fill stadiums. He goes to certain countries outside of uh, America. So there's, there's, it's a unique thing that mm. God's doing in the nations that isn't necessarily the way we think it has to be that we've been taught in, you know, our, you know, in America as well, which God is also using, of course. Oh yeah, for sure. 
I think uh, probably the difference is uh, other people have a pretty good idea of what we're producing, and we have much less of an idea of what's happening uh, everywhere else. We yeah. sort of have that cultural yeah. dominance. Yeah. But uh, you know what I was really excited about? To see that song Waymaker, which I believe came out of Africa. Yep. Yep. Um, Sinatch. That, yeah. was, that was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Sinatch. Yeah. Because I went back and listened to her version, and I was like, "This this rules," you know. Like, oh yeah, I love it. So hopefully we see more of that. Hopefully we see more cross pollination, more stuff coming back here. Because I just love it, man. And Amen. All right. Well, that's all the questions I thought to ask. Is there anything else you would like you'd want to tell um, all the people out there listening to Messiah Podcast, or maybe a way that they can follow you on social media and keep track of what you're doing? Sure. Well. Thanks, Jacob, for having me. Thank you, First Fruit Design. I love you guys so much and what you're doing to change the world. Um, if you want to follow me, um, just go to joshuaaron.tv um, and you can sign up for my email. Or if you want to follow what we're doing with Gather the Nations, we're meeting together. This this our next uh, annual conference is on the Feast of Trumpets in Orlando. Um, just go to gatherthenations.org, gatherthenations.org. And if you want to listen to my stuff, it's all for free on YouTube, or you can pay for it on iTunes, wherever you want to listen to it. Nice. I like to get the thing on iTunes so I can listen to it on my phone with the screen off. That's great. But, uh, you know, that's just me. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Joshua Aaron, for coming on to Messiah Podcast. We'll be praying for you and for your family, for your for your daughter, especially in the IDF, for her safety and, and just for your continued work for the kingdom, that it would bear much fruit. Amen. Thank you, brother. Thanks, Jacob. Well, thanks for joining us today on Messiah Podcast. If you're interested in learning more about the Jewish Jesus, check out First Fruits of Zion at ffoz.org. And if you enjoyed this episode, please give us a five-star rating wherever you're listening. Messiah Podcast is made possible by the generosity of our First Fruits of Zion friends. FFOZ friends are people like you who support our mission and get loads of exclusive Bible commentary, teaching, and content. You can join today at ffoz.org. Tune in next time for more great conversations. Until then, I'm Jacob Franzak. Shalom. Like the waters cover the sea